Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis. Welcome into The Drive here on 93.9 The Ville. It is just me today. Real life happens to all of us here, so it's just your host, Mark, is here uh, today on what I suspect. If the radio today, if social media and message boards and such has been any indication, uh, people are worked up today because it's over. It's finally over, and I don't know how any of the rest of you felt, and I've done this more than I wish I had in my entire life, but you've lost loved ones or what have you, and you know that conflicted feeling you have at the end where... Something that's been obviously been, I think, a, a struggle and a challenge for someone. While you're sad that it is over for them, you are, there is some sort of feeling of relief that they're not struggling anymore. And this sort of felt like that last night, especially with the way that it went in the second half of games. Um, in the second half of the season, second half of that game. Uh, well, I guess maybe the second half of the ACC season, this last couple. It just sort of felt perfect, but in perfect in a way like, the things that happened really all year all came rushing right back and made that game in a weird way sort of feel like the quint like this was every game that happened this season almost it was almost impossible uh, to tell any difference between what happened last night at the end of that game uh, with Boston College and for some reason today I don't know if you all have issues like this but I've just had it in I have my brain wants to type that they played Georgia Tech. Like, I just keep wanting to say that, and I don't know why, and I've done it like four or five different times in text messages with people, which is to say, I think, at least in some way, when I'm watching them, I think I'm not really paying attention to the opponent that much, uh, but for whatever reason, in my head, I've had it wrongly that, that Louisville played Georgia Tech yesterday, but they played Boston College yesterday. We didn't have a show, obviously, because that was going on uh, during the show, and, and I don't know how else to describe that one other than it was redundant. There was so much of what happened in that game against Boston College, especially in the second half, when it they were it was one two three Cancun. It, they were ready, they were ready to go, they were done, and they played like it. And they showed that. And I think everyone, including Kenny Payne, is probably ready to move on and move on quickly and move on thoroughly and move on all the way and right away uh, after this season. And if I was Kenny, I think I would understand wanting to do that. I wouldn't want anyone to think any longer about this season than I really have to. But we didn't get there neatly. I think digesting some of the things that were said last night, we're going to try to properly react. 
we're not going to overreact and we're, but we're not going to under uh, react to things either some of his comments immediately after the game i think less than encouraging uh, to folks has been the fuel of the the vast majority of shows and uh, and, and responses last night and today and I want to hear from a lot of you. There's really two things going on today. This season is over, and I think beginning to digest just what in the world might even be able to be done to to reinvigorate people or to give people some reason to be uh, lean in and be excited about uh, a year or two. And there are some things, but we'll talk about them. I want to hear from you folks. And then there's there's basically just Lamar, just Lamar entering the world of kind of faux free agency with the with the Ravens' decision. Uh, yesterday, and I think Lamar is getting chewed up by, by the system. I don't know how else to describe it than that. Rich, uh, rich owners across the NFL. Uh, whatever the closest thing you can be to colluding, without actually engaging in illegal collusion, that's what the, that's what's happening with uh, with Lamar. And I think whereas he maybe had had entered into all of this hoping that he would be uh, the 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 next person to get this gigantic deal. I don't think he's going to get what he's looking for here. And I'm not really sure what he can do to do anything other than perhaps save some face uh, in all of this. I just don't think he's going to end up getting what he wants uh, because I think a lot of people realize there's a whole lot more at stake than than just him. And these contracts aren't fair. And in a weird way, the contracts that, that players sign and when you compare them to one another, it's sort of like when you compare NCAA punishments we're like, okay, so this action's got this much, uh, this kind of punishment for it, and, and then we got this. That doesn't make any sense. And you get Daniel Jones is going to make forty something million dollars a year, and, and Lamar right now on the exclu- or the non exclusive uh, franchise tag sitting at thirty two and change uh, on that deal, sort of guaranteed there. So we, we'll get into uh, to all of that. And Mike Tanier, one of our favorites here, Football Outsiders, is going to join us at three thirty uh, and talk a little bit about storylines about this offseason and maybe who is perhaps still going to be interested in Lamar and how maybe this whole thing can play out and if if that relationship is so severed and sour now that that he might really have no choice but to go uh, and try to go somewhere else and do the Ravens really even want him uh, at this point and are they acting like they do Uh, so a lot at stake in all of that but really like those are the two things that are happening there's almost nothing else uh, that I think is really on uh, the minds uh, of most of you uh, out there. So we'll give you plenty of opportunities here. Uh, also worth noting, Syracuse eliminated at the ACC tournament uh, today in dramatic fashion. You get a buzzer beater from Steve Forbes and uh, Wake Forrest Williamson, I think, for for Wake hit that. Uh, and Jim Beheim in the postgame press conference, very much sounding like a man who knows that it's over. Uh, and so something that no, almost none of us can could probably even conceive of just a few weeks ago, uh, certainly in any other year, uh, that he is, uh, this might be it. This might be it uh, for Jim Beheim. Apparently, a press, uh, post-game press conference comment sounds very much resigned to the fact that uh, this might be it uh, for him and that it's really up to the university. And the question is, anybody up there really have the nerve uh, to say, yeah, it's time to move on? I mean, the guy outlasted a succession plan. That never happens. <laughs> right? That never happens. So uh, that's something uh, to pay attention to. This is about to be an extremely busy time. Uh, it will be impossible for you or I to keep up with everything. It's one of the nice things about like the show text line or social media and that sort of thing is a lot of people will crowdsource info for you, whether you know you needed it or not. Uh, but between the coaching carousel that's going, that is that is open, that's happening, uh, the assistant coaching carousel that's open, that is happening now as team season's end, 
conference tournaments, the tournament, signing day, the portal. It's about to be a complete tornado of people moving to and fro. Uh, and hopefully, I think Louisville's going to be one of those places where you're going to see a ton of people coming and going uh, from this roster because this year stunk. I don't really know how else to say it than that. And I don't believe in mockery uh, of this team uh, of Louisville. We are partners, and I'm a fan, and I so the, the maddest I ever get about things, I don't think I think I avoid mockery. I don't avoid petty like I pretend to myself that I do. But mockery, I'm, I'm not a fan of. I don't believe in that. But this was this was putrid this year. And it didn't really move that much. And you've had, I think, folks dug in, absolutely dug in, to where the games themselves almost don't matter. And and talking both sides of, of the same fan base, but different ends of the spectrum, doing exactly the same thing. People who never believe Kenny should have got the job, hating every single little thing that's gone on and every single little thing that happens and every big thing that happens is proof he never should have had the job and he should be fired as soon as possible. And people who think it's obvious he was the right guy and that nothing bad that ever happens reflects on him is in any way his responsibility and that you are unfaithful and a bad fan if you think that it does. And those two will never have a a fruitful conversation. Never. You'll never get anything uh, out of those two interacting with one another. And that's basically what the show's been since October. <laughs> is that very thing. Is those of you who, who who can't understand why anyone thinks anything's wrong, and those of you who can't understand why any of this is being allowed to happen at all, arguing through me in the text line. And we'll do it again today. It's fine. I don't get tired of it. I never have. These debates and these arguments and that sort of thing. But I don't know how anyone could have gotten to the end of last night's game feeling like you did this one more time. Uh, And then the comments made afterwards uh, and feel terribly encouraged about where things are going. Now, that could change. uh, But last uh, for for a tournament game against a Boston College team that didn't have its best big man uh, in the game to to lose by 18. The losing, I think, has been one thing. And that's bad enough. I don't really have to continue on past the losing. But it's not just the losing that I think has graded on me this year. It's not just the losing. It's the fact that they have been blown out repeatedly. I know the stat uh, has gone around from 2012 to 2016, which is probably when Rick sort of really had it humming the most. This team lost 28 games over a five-year period, and they lost 28 games in five months. We've never seen a Louisville basketball team anywhere close to this, to what we saw this year. And we're going to spend three hours here debating about sort of where the, the blame lies, where the expectations uh, were, were the most wrong and what in the world anyone can do about it uh, to fix it, if at all. But this was historically bad. This is, for, for the next 100 years, hopefully, this is what we're going to, this will be the one This will be the backstop. This will be the one that we always bring up as the bad team. And the the people who are in charge of it have to have answers for how it got here. And if some of those answers include things that happened before them, we should be prepared for that. But I think what fans more than anything else want is just some, some real ownership taking of what's gone on this year. 
And if I could offer PR advice, God, I'm not, I'm not a PR person at all. Else I'd do better myself, right? Uh, the, the degree to which Kenny Payne himself and anyone else, staff-wise and that sort of thing, starts talking about this entire season and everything that everyone does, including the players they might not even think whoever listened to a word they said this year, starts talking about all of this like it was their responsibility, that they are on the hook for it, I think the the more people will be willing to listen to explanations and reasons for being hopeful in the future and that sort of thing. There's just, There's been a lot of excuse-making this year. A lot of it. Right up until last night, I think, at times. Uh, and some real disconnects between what you all expected to see this year uh, and how this season played out. Now, it might change. It might get better. I've always appreciated that about uh, Steve from 10 to 12. He does sort of bring back, look, the optimism about uh, Kenny, like it, the things that people are, are hopeful could happen, they might still happen. That's why I've never really talked about this. Like it's a guarantee that it's just going to be a complete disaster. But it, you got to start persuading people now. And I, I know you're all tired of hearing this from me, but I'm, I mean this. The number one mistakes that Scott Satterfield made was behaving towards Louisville fans like he had no making up to do after the entire debacle that was the whole South Carolina thing in, in, in that season. The idea of that he, he's just sort of acted like not that he didn't understand it or didn't care, but just that he was sort of the victim of, of people overreacting to that uh, and never really acting like he had any making up to do. Like you've, in your life, you've pissed somebody off that you care about, and you know what it looks like, and you know what you, how you behave towards someone when you realize you you stepped in it, and if they wanted to, they could be a whole lot madder than they are. And Scott never did that, because I just don't think he was ever paying all that much attention. He's probably spending all his time on Indeed or something, trying to get out of here. But if there's any piece of advice I could give, we cannot, Kenny and the, and the staff, they cannot do that. This, you can't move forward like, well, what's your issue with last year? Guys, I, I would hope that all the communication, all the action, all everything that comes out of basketball from here forward seems to show some awareness. Like this, you were in charge, regardless of where the responsibility lies. Hopefully no one objects to me saying it that way. You were in charge when the worst basketball anyone's ever seen here got played. And that it's you, you don't start at zero next year. You don't start at level next year you start below sea level next year in a lot of people's minds and i would i would just hope that the messaging the access the communication like i the whole moving in silence and things like that and it's it's gotten to a point where it gets mocked that sort of thing that's a it's kind of a luxury position you know when people have implicit uh, faith in everything you're doing that's sort of the that's the way you can act but they didn't do that and when you have a gigantic disaster of a first season, and they did, you shouldn't expect anyone else to talk about this any other way than that. you got to be prepared to sort of overcompensate for that. That's why I think he, you know, th there's this super old, I, I wish I could remember where it comes from, but about a, you know, a coach coming in to really rebuild a program somewhere that there's, the, like there's stages that they go through. It's where you lose big, but you're... You're establishing your culture and you're you're setting up long-term ways of doing things that are 
that are sustainable and all sorts. So you lose by a lot. And then when you start making progress, you start losing close. And you can see, like, we're almost there from here. And then you start winning close. And then you start winning big. And then you're there. You've gotten to where you want to be. I don't think that after this season, with the way that it went, I don't think Kenny gets to have the lose-close stage of that rebuild process. That's the stage where they're a 500-ish team. Uh, that's the stage where they are, you know, they, they beat a team here and there, lose to a team that irritates you here and there, hovering around the middle. You're, you're having debates about whether you want to go to the NIT or not, things like that. I, I think the thing you lose when you, when you have a season like this is the ability for it to have that year where people sort of grind. We should have had it this year, first of all, but either, either way. I don't think he gets to have that year next year because so much of what happened this year was really pushed off on on others. If it was Chris Mack's fault, if it was you know Neely's fault or the previous administration or the NCAA and the quote unquote cloud and or whatever, whatever it might be. Even if I grant all of that in terms of things that contributed to this season being harder than it ought to have been and worse than it ought to have been. And they're out there. Those things are not zero. But to whatever to whatever extent those those are out there and factored in and all of that sort of thing, this wasn't good. And if it's if it's primarily, and I mean like primarily the the fault of players, I think we're we're heading into an offseason with one option. And that is Heavy roster turnover. Demonstration that you are uh, as effective as a recruiter because there's no cloud now. Can't use that excuse. And I don't think anyone will accept that excuse anymore. And I don't think that he, I don't mean to say that like an excuse, like I don't believe it. I think it mattered. I do. In fact, I, I really do feel like it just a bunch of the mistakes got made right at the beginning, and then there was no way, real way to get out of it, and you just sort of had to grind through this year. But the thing that I keep thinking about more than anything else this year is just the sense that you have from some folks that nothing that happened this year is a reflection on, on the people that are in charge. And if it feels like we just obsess about the coaches and talk only about the coaches, I think you have to understand why we do that. The players come and go. They've never come and go faster than they do now. You know, we used to be that we didn't really crush players all that much because they were amateurs. And they're 18 to 22. And so we would really kind of spend our time on not really crushing the players all that much, get on the coaches. Now, it's it's ratcheted up even more. You know, the players come and go in twice the speed that they used to. The coaches are the only thing uh, that is consistent from year to year, just about. I mean, I'd be willing to bet on average that basketball teams going forward, especially competitive ones at all, are 50% of them turnover every single year. And so next year, like, I, I think there's no other option than this team needs to be really good from day one next year. And if that seems unfair or sort of unreasonable, well, this was really bad. And if it's not on the people who are in charge at all, well, then put together a roster that you want and show us what it ought to look like the way you want to do it with the people you want. And we'll know. We'll know. And we'll know. We'll know right away. 
and look, that might seem harsh or kind of uh, rigid for for these coaches and that sort of thing. But when you have a year this bad, like you just don't get to sort of walk the same patient rebuild kind of talk. It was it wasn't like Louisville went thirteen and seventeen or something. This was guys. This was we would mock this anywhere else. And even if we understand, are sort of sympathetic and, and understand the context and everything that happened leading into it, it can't be anything like this again. And I, I think they know that. But it, it, can't, it can't be in this neighborhood. This has to be change in quality, not just quantity. They can't sort of keep doing the same things and just get marginally better at this or that. It's got to be dramatically different. I think the good, a good thing, the good thing, they get to get right to it. They get to get right to it starting this weekend. And they they might be able to go on kind of a nice little run here. We'll talk a little bit about some things that I think they can do that football did last year with recruiting that helped a lot. When it, I think it was unthinkable that people would be excited uh, about football uh, for this upcoming season. And then, by the way, that they recruited, they were able to do that. I think basketball has a chance to do that. Uh, but, but folks who... are sort of unapologetic supporters of all of this, have to understand why folks are at least a little bit slow to come running this time when it comes to good recruiting news on the horizon. That didn't materialize right away. And if people are a little skeptical, you've got to understand that. You have to. There's probably nothing that would help Kenny more now that the games are over with than that. Start getting some guys. And there's something like there's something fun about recruits. It's sort of like uh, if you ever played the like the NCAA football game back in the day on uh, Xbox or whatever. Like that part was as fun as anything because you just sort of got to. You get, those players are are kind of an that you're you're you can just make them whatever you want them to be. Your optimism is unbounded. They can if you get Dennis Evans, he's going to be the next whatever. He's going to be honest. I don't care however you want to say it. it. Doesn't matter. Like you get to do that sort of thing. And no one can really tell you that you're wrong, which is great. So hopefully, look, hopefully they are able to do that. But I think that we're now entering an offseason where the expectations are, there's just not going to be win some, lose some from here on out. You kind of spent them all right now. You know, the, the, that middle year where you lose close and you, start, and you get a few and you win your share and you lose your share, you, you lost them all now. And so I, I, I don't think he gets to have a middling kind of year next year. They got to be good. They got to be really good. And I think all of us, between what happened last season, what happens, or what happened this season, don't ever want to hear another year about, I don't understand how to motivate these guys. I don't think any of you are ever going to be willing to listen to that. Like at some point, that's a you problem. And look, you're going to have a gigantic amount of turnover on this roster uh, and have guys that are, everyone here will undoubtedly be here because you want them here. You being coaching staff. These will all be guys that you either recruited and chose to play for you or you inherited and that you had the option to replace and didn't. And so like, it's all, it is all on the folks in charge to construct a roster that's good enough to compete and to get them to do the competing. It didn't happen this year. 
It's why I think so many of you are so up in arms, understandably, about some of the things that Kenny said in the postgame press conference last night. The one that I think is is getting the most attention from just about everyone and is understandably the hardest to follow along with at all uh, in terms of where your head is at is, is being asked about the coaching staff. Can we find that one really quickly? It was asked about if he'd considered coaching staff changes. And he was incredulous to have even been asked about that. Here's what he had to say after the game. Kenny, so you said you're going to take some time, you know, to think about, you know, just um, how to move forward here. Um, when you think about two days, some days, okay, two days, two days, okay. Um, when you think about, you know, you know, and the coaches on your staff, um, how do you go about uh, talking to them about, you know, um, you know, uh, taking stock and how they did this year and coaching with you, and you know, you know, just uh, building that staff and uh, continuing to you know move forward. Still don't understand the question, but I can tell you I have one of the best staff in college basketball. I can tell you that there are unique individuals that have had so much success in this game. I can't believe you just asked that question um, because you're looking at guys that have accomplished more in their life as players. Forget coaching. Their experience in life is why I hired them. They are great coaches, and they gave these kids love every day. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't even understand the question, like, how, what is there to evaluate? I asked them to love the young men. That's why I hired them, to adopt their dreams. That's why I hired them. Um, nothing else. They did their jobs. They did a great job. I love my staff. You can't have the season that Louisville had this year and then when asked if you're going to consider coaching staff changes, rhetorically just throw out there what is there to evaluate. Man, there's a 4-28 and year to evaluate. That's what there is to evaluate. And I don't expect every coach, I don't expect any coach, to be like in their absolute best frame of mind in post-game press conferences. But Kenny's not like a kid. This is a grown man who's been in this business for an extremely long time. And yes, this is his first year as the head coach. But like, sometimes when we talk about that, we're not talking about like when Marshall hired Billy Donovan. He was like 31 years old or whatever it was. Kenny's older than me. He's been hearing questions from the media in tough situations in two of the more miserable places to sort of be on the bad side of media at times, in Lexington and New York. He knows what this is like to, to be in, like, incredulous that anyone would ask you about if you're, if, if you're considering coaching changes. There are a million ways to say nothing to that. There are a million ways to even say, like, no, I'm not considering that. That are not incendiary, that we're not playing it again today, that we're not talking about it. That was not one of them. And I think the thing that scares you about hearing that answer from him is that just the feeling that, you know, it's one thing for there to sort of be an issue, right? And and to be, to not be sure exactly what the situation is or what the what the proper answer is, what the solutions are, all that sort of thing. It's a whole other ball game to sort of feel like not only do do we have this issue, I don't even know if this person, this person doesn't even seem to think we have an issue, and that's terrifying because you got to fix it. And if it sound like you don't even think that there's an issue, well, then what are we going to do? Because just about everybody else is evaluating. 
And they're evaluating everything all the time. When you go 4-28, and 28, everything gets evaluated, including what you wear on coaches' shows and everything. It's all on the table when you're not winning. And not only when you're not winning, when you're losing like no one's ever lost here before. The temperature goes up, not down. So we got a lot to get into. Now we're going to take a, uh, a detour. We'll take a break. We'll come back and talk with Mike Tanier from Football Outsiders about what's up with Lamar. Uh, and some off-season uh, storylines around some of the local teams with uh, with Cincinnati and Indianapolis and some others. So we got a lot to get into. And then basically four to six men, I want to hear from you guys. We'll play some more of the post-game sound, some reaction to some of that here. But we'll we'll do this one interactive together here on The Drive on Thunderville. Be right back. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition. And I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it. But then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Morgan is here on a Wednesday. Happy to be joined now by one of our favorites to have on here when we talk some football, pro football that is, and that is Mike Tanya. Mike, how's everything going, buddy? This is uh, like the, the the crazy time of year with the uh, free agency and the draft combine, all that sort of thing. You got a lot going on, don't you? Yeah, it's the fake off season. I'll tell you what. All the cool people came back from the scouting combine with a new contract. I came back with a head cold. So. <laughs> Well, look, we are in Louisville. We are in the tank uh, for Lamar here, uh, and he yes. he sort of dominates the headlines. And I guess what well, he and Aaron Rodgers kind of hover over everything else happening uh, in the offseason here for the NFL. Do the Ravens? Do the Ravens still like Lamar Jackson? That is a very good question. I think there's a lot of frustration at this point, and uh, you know it's different what might be going on in the general manager's office, coach's office, down to the players. I think the players still love Lamar Jackson. I think Harbaugh and his coaches want Lamar Jackson there. And I think the Costa, who has been dealing with this contract finagle for, I guess, over a year at this point, is probably a little frustrated with the, with uh, how it proceeded. I think that this transition tag, this not, excuse me, non-exclusive tag, I should be saying, uh, is indicative of that, where there's a little bit of, oh, you don't like it here? Why don't you go see what else is out there? Kind of twiddling their thumbs saying, yeah, uh, you'll come crawling back in that door. How much of this is... is with Lamar, you know, wanting a deal that's commensurate kind of with with what Deshaun Watson got, or even better perhaps than Deshaun Watson got, is, is that. And then how much of this is Lamar and it seems like a whole bunch of the Ravens, just sort of general dissatisfaction with the way their like bodies are treated by the Ravens and everything that came out in that NBA for So how much of that is, is a factor in all this? I think it's about 95, 99% him wanting the guaranteed money at $250 million guaranteed or more. 
that's the sticking point. There were offers that were competitive on the table last year. There are probably offers on the table now. And we've seen people like Roquan Smith go out there and get long-term deals done. I don't think that there's a, 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 a culture in the Ravens of, of people saying, we've got to get out of this program. You see that with like the Washington Commanders. You see yeah. that with other programs that uh, that came up really low on that survey. But the Ravens, that's unusual. So I, I think what we are looking at, I think what people are are, are going out of the way to not understand is what two hundred and fifty million dollars guaranteed means for an organization, means for their budget, means for their planning, and how that prices Lamar Jackson's services out of so many teams that would otherwise be on the market. What do you make? Obviously, you're hearing a lot of uh, the, the the dreaded uh, c word collusion being thrown around and that sort of thing, but. <laughs> Uh, even I am surprised at the the rapidity with which the Falcons, the Panthers, mm. Washington, others, you know, through selected media outlets, made it clear they're not playing this game with Lamar. Yeah, you're a free agent, but we're not gonna we're not gonna do this dance uh, with you. Where's that coming from, and, and is it really collusion? What's really going on there with so many schools or teams running out to make sure that everybody knows they're not interested? Here's what's going on, and I think people are, are almost willfully misunderstanding this. Uh, up until last week, no other team could in any way comment on Lamar because he was still under contract with the with the Ravens. So the transition, excuse me, I keep saying that the non-exclusive tag says that he can negotiate with other teams, which means teams can talk about them. Now, I'm a writer for the Athletic in, in Charlotte. I contact my source immediately when that happens. I am a writer for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. I contact my source immediately when that happens. If I'm writing for the Kansas City Star, I call the Chiefs and say, "Hey, are you guys interested in trading Patrick Mahomes?" You do that because in our industry, you get that information if you've got that inside source, and you go to market with it immediately. This is not a case of teams saying, "Quick, let's run out there and, and like put something on our Instagram saying we don't like Lamar Jackson." That's not what's happening. When as soon as reporters, it was in reporters' interest to go and ask those questions, their sources they ask their sources those sources came back off the record and that's the news that came out this is i think we look for conspiracies what that you know may or may not be there this is simply a case of this is how reporting and journalism on the internet gets done if you had to uh make a list of teams who, who maybe would if at all sort of get involved in in trying to sign lamar outside of baltimore is there anyone that seems like a reasonable candidate for you the Jets would be reasonable candidates, but they're playing footsie with Aaron Rodgers. Sure. And by the time they're done playing footsie with Aaron Rodgers, it'll be too late. I think we, we know Aaron Rodgers either say yes or string them along for indefinitely and then say no at the last minute because that's kind of what he does. Um, in terms of making sense from a football standpoint, it makes sense for the Raiders from a football standpoint. I'll tell you right now, the Raiders do not have $250 million hmm. guaranteed to put in escrow right now. So that leaves you with sort of the square peg teams of the NFL. Uh, the Washington Commanders, for example, who are like the wild cards. They could do something. The Panthers, the Panthers were a team that did make some sense. They expressed their disinterest. That's one of the things that the Ravens are looking at right now. I, I wrote about this months ago. Like The Ravens have all the leverage in this. The Ravens could look at that market and say, there might be two or three teams out there that would even make an offer. It probably wouldn't come in at $250 million guaranteed, and he's going to have to come back to us to the negotiating table. They saw that market. That's the market I'm seeing, and, and that's what they're counting on. Uh, forcing Lamar Jackson to have to do in this negotiation. Go ahead and, and put on your prognosticator hat here. How does this ultimately play out both this year and long term? What I, I what think will think happen will is happen, if, yeah. What I think will happen is he will sign the tag, play next year, and if he has an outstanding season, be in a better leverage position the following season. 
What I would hope happens is he goes out there and there are no serious offers, or the only serious offers from the commanders, and I don't know if you really want to be in that organization. He goes back to the table, and those numbers that they have in front of him, whether it's $198 million guaranteed or whatever the numbers before, he figures that's a good deal, takes it, still gets a raise off of the, uh, the transition tag, still gets a raise off of some guaranteed money in the future, and takes that. I want Lamar Jackson to have a couple of years of guaranteed money because I am worried about an undersized guy who's been running hard, who's been getting hurt. I want him to get those guarantees. One of the things I worry about for him in his career is that he's not, in seeking the ultimate guarantee, he's losing the guarantees that could be really helpful for him uh, and his finances moving forward for the next couple of years. Why did the Giants give Daniel Jones so much money? If you really look at it, it's two years and 85 mil and then out. So it's another one of those contracts when you first look at it, it sounds like a lot. And then when you look at it again, the fourth year is not guaranteed anyway. Third year is only partially guaranteed. So they were in a situation where if you look at this quarterback market right now, and again, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, they're the square pegs. There's two quarterbacks in the draft class that you can look at and say these guys could start right away, uh, Young and Stroud. Uh, everybody else is like scrambling. Derek Carr's now got a, 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 a suitor. He's got the Saints now. So Geno Smith and Daniel Jones, the Giants looked at those guys and said, we're better off with this guy than what's behind door number two. We're going to have to overpay a little for that. The Seahawks played over, overpaid maybe slightly for Geno Smith. Giants overpaid a little more for Daniel Jones. But there's not guarantees for three years down the road, not guarantees for four years down the road. They did it the way I think both of those organizations can live with fiscally, and then they can continue to evaluate their quarterback and have money to build around them. We're talking with Mike Tanier, Football Outsiders. You heard him say, writes with The Athletic a little bit uh, as well. Just one of our favorite know-it-alls uh, for for everything around uh, the NFL, uh, especially this time of year. We just had the uh, the NFL Combine, uh, and whoever you like as a quarterback did something that you like, right? Just uh, the quarterbacks, all of them seem to have pretty good combines. What do you think the likelihood is here that that Richardson and sort of the, just the overall kind of awesome. Uh, athletic impression he made on people is enough for somebody to be like, no, I can't pass up on the guy. Got to get up to number one. That's my guy. I don't think anybody's going up for number one for okay. Anthony Richardson. I think most of us can look at it and say that this is a project. I'm probably not ready this year. We're only ready midway through this year. Top ten, absolutely. Yeah. And I think he's going to and he's going to fall into that range for teams like the Detroit Lions, who are sitting there saying. Yeah, Jared Goff for another year? Yeah, we can get in the playoffs with that. But, man, if this kid comes around the following year, this could have a steal. So he doesn't look good for the teams that are desperate. The Colts are desperate. The Texans are desperate. He looks at that next group of teams and says, yeah, we, you know, we can we can get by with a, a game manager for a year and then just explode the next year if this young man develops into being a Josh Allen or Cam Newton because that's who he worked out like. Are you still – Feeling like Bryce Young is the best candidate uh, of the quarterbacks to so go number one and be a guy that you can plug in and play uh, from right away? And, and if so, uh, where are you uh, sort of on the spectrum of, of concerns about his size? Uh, you know what? I think he can be a day one starter. I'm worried about day two, day three, day four because of his size. I was surprised he came in at 204. Uh, if that's meaningful weight, then good. That, that gives you a little bit of breathing room. Having done a little more homework, having you know talked with some other people out there, I got C.J. Stroud, number one. I think his downside is, that at the very least, he's going to be a pretty capable starter, and his upside is about as high as Young's. But the injury element of things, he looks like he's a more durable guy. He looks like he can take the pounding. He looks like he'll be able to see the middle of the field consistently. Those are all little questions out for Young. It doesn't mean don't draft him. It doesn't mean he can't succeed. But if I'm a team saying, like if I'm the Houston Texans, 
I look at my offensive line and like my offensive line is a mess. I look at my my receivers. It's like we don't have enough receivers. Bryce Young could get broken in that environment. C.J. Stroud <laughs> is built to be able to kind of survive that. And then, oh, we've got pieces around you. Now you're ready to thrive. Yeah, they've already did that to a car, too, Houston. We don't, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do that again, do we? Uh, Mike, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. You mentioned it a couple of times now. Uh, we've spent an offseason talking about him doing ayahuasca and a darkness uh, <laughs> retreat, and he's just such a weird guy. But, you know, yeah. I know that Brady – Doing what he did with Tampa Bay, where it was basically just kind of a sloppy team that was, if you insert the right quarterback, obviously Tampa Bay blew up and ends up winning a Super Bowl. I mean, are the Jets? What does he do for them? Are they that? Are they that close and that good that if you just sort of plug and play him, they become dramatically better if he's there? Not really. Not the way the Buccaneers were, where yeah. you could look at all the all of the pieces they put in that were veteran pieces. You know, you already have two veteran wide receivers. You have four veteran. Defensive lineman at a high level. That's what Brady entered there. And the Jets coming in saying, oh, we're a team on the rise. We we might need two years to get to that, even with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. And, you know, it's a little apple to oranges because it's like, okay, <clears throat> Brady's got kind of a big ego, and he could be a little bit of a handful. Rodgers is in this other category like that. Like when Tom Brady walks in to, to the Tampa Bay headquarters, you know he's all about business, business, yeah. business. He wants the team to succeed. He wants his teammates to succeed. He's going to shut out the drama to a degree, et cetera. I think we know Aaron Rodgers is not that guy. And so if you superimpose on top of what if there's drama with Rodgers, which there will be, coupled with the fact that it's a very young roster, that he's going to look at these young receivers and say, you're not Devontae, you know, and, and start that process. I wonder why the Jets are so all in on this, uh, on this opportunity. Yeah, I totally agree with you, by the way. He doesn't bring the same kind of uh, team – Work yeah. ethic uh, thing that Brady did, which the Bucks I think desperately needed yeah. after uh, after Jameis. Yeah, it's like Brady will come in. I'm going to teach you how to do this right. I'm going to work with you to make this ex- excellent. Rogers is like, ah, first time didn't do it right. I'm going to sneer at you like publicly and then like say something on a, on a podcast. Very different vibe. Uh, last thing before <laughs> I let you go here, Mike Tanier, uh, what's uh, what's your read on what's happening with? The commanders uh, and, and the ownership situation uh, there, obviously. I mean, Dan Snyder is a pariah. I was just kind of joking yeah. yesterday. Like, he should sign Lamar to a billion-dollar guaranteed contract yeah. and then sell the team, right, and get out of the league yeah, and, just, yeah. and leave that as a middle finger for everybody. But, I mean, what's your read on what's happening there? Do you think he really doesn't want to sell, or are people just sort of afraid uh, that that's the case? Do you think that ultimately this uh, this winds up with, with the league removing him in kind of a, you know, a Donald Sterling kind of thing? What happens there? Yeah, I have very little inside read on this. It's really out way past where my my my, my price line and bandwidth. I know that owners love the prestige. You stay an NFL owner because of the prestige of it. It's a thing you have that the, your rich friends don't have. Yeah. You know, like like look at this look at arena full of people, et cetera. So he's going to be reluctant to give that up. The league, none of those owners want to start a French Revolution with a guillotine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, they're picked, they're, they're picked off at him. They will come at me next. So they're all going to be reluctant to that. I, I keep. I know that there was a cursory sale where he like he like turned things over to his wife, something like that. I still see the end game unless uh, some Bezos or somebody comes in with a crazy offer. Him continuing to try to do things like I'm not involved with day to day anymore. I sold it to my nephew, to whoever, all that kind of thing. And I, I think that's how he removes himself from the team while still obviously not really removing himself from the team. Mike Tanner, we appreciate you making time for us as always, buddy. Enjoy the quote-unquote off-season, which never really <laughs> stops or starts, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, you got it. Take care and enjoy the off-season. All right.
Mike Tanner, Football Outsiders, and so many other places, one of our favorites. Like, I think he's right uh, about uh, Lamar. If I had to guess with Lamar, I would say it ultimately winds up with him signing with the Ravens for less than he wants, and they find a way to save face. Does that sound – I think that's – it'll be more than what they offered him before, less than he's hoping for, uh, and again, some way that I think allows everyone to save face. But it certainly does feel like if it's not – actual collusion it's a uh, implicit collusion it's definitely again not analogous i know a lot that were on the show mm-hmm. but kaepernick back in the day where it's like we can't have this guy on our team it's a little bit different but it was just weird yesterday i'm sure you talked about it earlier in the well show. it's not about him yeah you know with kaepernick it was sort of the, the person yeah but it's like if that's what he wants i don't want him is really what's being yeah, said but it's just weird that lamar had all these teams outwardly saying we don't want him it's like it's, it's very probably weird probably better if you just said nothing at all like right. no one's going to inquire on this at least not right now well it's weird because in a football sense you very rarely get just like a straight up free agent that you could go sign that's this good and this young he's 26 years old I mean, even Brady was in his 40s when Tampa Bay, like, remember, like, he... And teams fell all over themselves. Because uh, the last year in New England was not very good by right. Brady's standards. Right. Still, I think anyone would be clamoring for that quarterback. And you saw teams left and right. It was basically like the Chargers were interested, the Raiders for a time, and Tampa. There's like one other team maybe that was interested at well, the time. You know, with, with Lamar, like, if I was a Falcons fan and they just immediately ran out there to make sure people knew they were not interested, I'd be like, why the hell not? They were in the for two Sean first Watson's round picks sweepstakes last year. Like Watson, we want Panthers him. too. Panthers, exactly. same thing. I do not understand. These guys wanted Derek Carr. They had no problem with Derek Carr. And I think the uh, ultimately what what it boils down to is every one of these owners would would love to have Lamar, but they really love not having to give guaranteed contracts more. They're having Lamar. And every, yes, they don't want to be guaranteeing these contracts uh, at all. And Lamar creates, if Lamar gets what he wants, Joe Burrow's getting that too. And then Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes are going to want to come right back to the table. I mean, even like, I'm always right? kind of like, That's what ba- this is about. Yeah, but also looking down like in college, Caleb Williams, who everyone's projected to be the next big thing, going number one overall next year. Imagine what he would get in like four or five years, six years when he's eligible. If Lamar was to get a guaranteed contract, but not only that, I, and this is what I've kind of wondered. I don't, I don't know that Cleveland has even had a free agent of note since the whole Deshaun Watson thing. But if I played for Cleveland, you gave him one. Give me like the next free agent in Cleveland would want a gigantic deal like that. Like this is a this is a snowball that no owner is interested in letting roll. And ultimately, I think Lamar is going to just sort of run up against the fact that you can't force this and that there isn't, that we know of, a second NFL team that is willing to give a deal like the Browns did, which apparently royally pissed off everyone. I mean, I think if you're Cleveland, you got to regret that a little bit because it just did not pay off last year. And I'm not high on Deshaun Watson anymore. He set out an entire football season and he didn't look good last year. No, he certainly didn't come back and make them look like world beaters uh, or anything. So, worth paying attention to what's going to happen uh, with with them. Ultimately, I do think uh, that he's going to uh, to get a gigantic deal that is somewhere between uh, record setting and fully guaranteed or close to fully guaranteed or what have you, and it, it's less than 
or more than what the Ravens offered, I think, the first time. Some effort going to be made to save face. And then the Ravens got to start, like, doing well offensively, drafting players to help on the offensive end, mainly because once you spend a lot of money on your quarterback, that's what you have to do. The Chiefs are a good example of that. They did that this year. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We're switching gears back uh, to basketball, some clips from the postgame press conference to have everyone, I think, up in arms. And we'll take your calls, your texts here throughout. On the drive on FM the bill. Right back.